Hi everyone and welcome to The Raw Show with Michael McDonald and I have a very special guest. We have Tracy Minutolo joining me today. Tracy, thank you for being on the show. Thanks for having me, Mike. I appreciate it. Tracy's been a side hustler since before there was a name for it. She was a full-time lab supervisor who started a virtual assistant business almost two years ago, serving podcasters with purpose. Working with one client in particular, opened her eyes to the possibility of coaching, and now she works directly with motivated nine-to-fivers to design and launch profitable service-based side businesses centered at the intersection of their passions and their existing skills. So that's quite a quite a mouthful there Tracy to, yeah, to, kick, to kick us off so um, <laughs> would you be able to share with, with me and our listeners a bit about your background um, so where you were born and what it was like for you growing up yeah well I'm originally from New Jersey so I'm uh, living in California now but I grew up in the, uh, the northeast um, and they're getting hammered with snowstorms right now and I'm kind of happy mm, to be yeah. sitting here in San Diego um, <laughs> yeah but uh, pretty much just, you know, your average middle-class upbringing. I I grew up in North Jersey in a pretty small town. And, you know, like my my high school class was about 100 kids. So it was relatively small. Um, But uh, ended up moving to the shore area after that. So uh, when I was 15, we moved down um, about 80 miles away, but right down near the the beach and everything. And it was a little bit of a bigger school and kind of a, a bigger place. But yeah, I mean, nothing too remarkable, nothing too outstanding. Um, you know, in terms of entrepreneurial stuff, my parents are both um, full-time employees. So it was kind of the furthest thing from their mind. And it wasn't anything yeah. that really that I got introduced to until much, much later in, in my life. But, um, you know, and then I, I went to college, I studied biology and became a microbiologist. Right. Wow. Yeah. So, so what what drove you to to wanting to start something on the side then? So, was, was there anything in particular? Was it a, a process where you just wanted to try something different? Was was there anything that that caused that spark in you that made you want to do something as well as being a biologist? Yeah. So, um, while I would say my my upbringing wasn't anything like remarkable in terms of <clears throat> entrepreneurial things, um, I would say that you know I had a, a, from an early age, had a work ethic, like deeply instilled from both of my parents. They worked very, very hard. Um, my mom is an RN and my dad uh, was a warehouse supervisor and they both worked really, really, really long hours. Um, and that was one thing that was, I think that they held um, as one of the biggest, you know, value, core values was just hard work, like a work ethic and not quitting. Um, and so for me, um, graduating college and having the student loan debt over my head, I decided I wanted to kind of try and chip away at that by earning extra money. So I landed, you know, I graduated at a time when it was a little bit easier to to get a job. It was early 2000s. And that was before we started having some of the economic difficulties here that um, folks that are younger than I am have have kind of suffered from. But I was able to get a job in my field right away. Started making, you know, more money than I'd ever made in my life before. Did not know how to handle it. (laughs) (laughs) Um, went out and within the year I had bought a brand new car. I was living in my own apartment. Um, I was a musician, so I was playing in bands and buying equipment. So I started racking up a lot of debt actually. Um, Mm, and then I had the student loan as well. So I wanted to go and make extra money. And so at the time, you know, the only things that were, you know, in my, at least, you know, immediate, I guess, mind was to to go get a part-time job. So I ended up working in a bookstore. Um, you know, in the evenings, I worked full time as a microbiologist would come home and then work you know, in the evenings in a bookstore near my house. And I did that for years. So I've always kind of been doing something like since those days, I've always been doing something additional to a full time job. 
Um, it oh, just okay. wasn't always a business. It was like, um, from that point, you know, it became, um, you know, <laughs> when I moved to San Diego, we have a lot of hospitals and like we have universities around and there are a lot of like studies happening, like research studies happening and they're looking for volunteers a lot of times. Like, so I went in and I did something um, like a sleep study. I went and slept in a lab for two nights in a row and they kind of wired me up and <laughs> tracked all my vitals and everything and I earned money <laughs> for it. So I did things like that for a long time. Um, but what really pushed me is, you know, I, I mentioned earlier that I had been kind of um, not managing money very well. And that only compounded when I moved out West because um, for a little while I wasn't working in my field and I was doing kind of retail and <clears throat> I was doing the barista thing for a little while and I, my debt was just snowballing. And so I um, ended up really needed to do, needing to do something. By the time 2008, 2009 rolled around out here and we did have some economic difficulties um, the job that I was working at, um, it was a very, very small contract lab here in town. I, I mean, I was one of like 15 employees of this place to give you an idea of the size of this place. It was really tiny. And, um, in order to kind of keep from laying anybody off, my bosses decided to cut us all back to 32 hour work weeks. So they cut our salaries as well. Right. So we all had an extra day off each week, but we lost all that money. And for me, I was already kind of living on the edge, you know, with huge credit card payments, um, living in an expensive city, um, in my own apartment, again, kind of doing this thing. And so I, I panicked. I really, I freaked out. So um, I, I got myself into debt management, pulled myself up by the bootstraps, paid off all my consumer debt. And then on the tail end of it, I became very interested in building wealth and kind of getting past, you know, that point in my life where I was going to be like, um, just held down by debt. And, you know, I wasn't going to let money kind of do that to me anymore. So um, that's when I started listening to podcasts. And I really started getting introduced to folks who are doing things a little bit differently, people just like me, um, who, you know, people full time employees who had this side hobby or side passion or this other skill set, and they were monetizing it. And um, I credit shows like, you know, Side Hustle, the Side Hustle show was actually a big influence on me at the time. Um, the Well-Kept Wallet was another one. Happen to Your Career was another one. Just mm -hmm. listening to people really create for themselves, you know, these opportunities. It just was mind-blowing. So from there, that's when I started the real, actually, that would be the real start of the process for me on the road to starting a business. Right. So what was the, because you mentioned that you, you sort of, tried to, to get yourself out of the, the financial hole as it were what what sort of things did you do so you mentioned you mentioned bootstrapping I think so what what sort of things did you actually do did you go through a process did you have certain strategies what what actually happened for you yeah so what I ended up doing um, when I kind of hit the bottom there um, when my uh, employer had cut us back cut our hours back and I panicked I went into a debt management program and so what that meant was basically all my credit cards, you know, I would, I wouldn't be able to use them anymore. So they basically like took all, they suspended all those accounts. Um, they negotiated for lower interest rates and I made a single monthly payment, a gig gigantic one, but I made a single monthly payment and it took me about three years to pay all of it off. Um, but I did, but in that time I wasn't able to use any credit. So there was no more like, you know, living from paycheck to paycheck and charging gas and charging groceries and, <clears throat> you know, none of that. I had to live. It was just cash and carry. So I really had to relearn, um, you know, how to deal with money and just completely rebuild my relationship with money and my respect for money. Um, and so 
when I came out of that, when all that was done, I really started developing more of an interest on what was, you know, in what was next for me, you know, beyond because previous to this, I really always kind of imagined myself being in debt in some way. You know, I think that was my experience growing up, you know, most of the folks that, you know, were around and, and my parents were always in debt. And that was kind of just the, I don't know, the example that I had, but for me, you know, I just never did much thinking beyond that. And so once the debt was getting cleared up, I said, I was thinking to myself, what, well, what's next? What do I do next? So that's what kind of was the, the catalyst for searching out ways to, to do more. And I realized that I kind of fell behind, you know, spending three years paying off this massive debt kind of put me behind in, you know, say retirement savings and that kind of thing. So I realized, you know, that I needed to kind of pick up some, some speed and gain some ground. Right. So how, how important would you say that the change in an environment or the change in what sort of people you were exposed to? So you mentioned listening to podcasts and things. Have a couple of people listening to this that, that might be in a very similar situation and that just the people that are around them are all doing the same things as them and maybe they're not quite, maybe they're not quite happy about that. So how important would you say trying to be exposed to different people was for your, your likelihood of, of breaking free of that? I think it made all the difference. I really do. And for me, at first, it wasn't the people that I was spending time directly with. Um, most of those people were all were in debt as well. Um, mm. It was the folks that I sought out, you know, um, and it, it, in the form of podcasts, in the form of blogs. Um, and then later, you know, things have developed and I've, you know, my network has grown in San Diego quite a bit. So it's, it's now that's not the case anymore. But when I started, it was just me kind of taking that first step to seek out those voices and to seek out people who were, you know, had a different view on it. And it wasn't so hopeless. It wasn't so much like, you know, I'm just always going to be in debt. So that's the way it is. <laughs> no, it's not. It doesn't have to be. Um, and, but, you know, it really does make a big impact, you know, who you spend your time with and who you're listening to, who's getting into your ears. Yeah, definitely. That's something that that I definitely echo as well. I mean, it's it's almost like we it's almost like we are the average of those people. Like we, we tend to conform to to what's around us almost. And it so sounds a little bit silly, but if you are around those people that, that you want to be like and that you want to spend your your time with, and you want to live in you know you want to live in the same way then it, it's, it's a little strange really because if you listen to it it's kind of like well that would just mean that I'm around people that I'm different from but then you know how how did you actually benefit from it because I, I would imagine just from hearing you say it and the experience that a lot of the people that, that I talked to have had is it was almost some kind of disconnect from that so you don't you don't suddenly listen to to podcasts and you don't suddenly read blogs and things and all of a sudden your your life changes what mm. what was the the actual shift like in terms of going from the exposure to that to then actually living that way yeah so I mean absolutely and it didn't happen overnight it was really just the first like little spark of an idea that I had that you know maybe there's a different way to do this you know now that I'm getting out of debt there's there's more to life there's more to dealing with money it doesn't have to be terrible you know um, and I have more power in this than I thought I did so um, you know, just seeking out the shows that were kind of focused around, you know, personal finance, um, wealth building, um, money management types of shows. That was kind of the first place that I started. And through those, I started hearing about people who, you know, had full-time jobs who were making side money doing, you know, different things. And just really listening to more and more of that and finding people that I could relate to. And then thinking, well, why can't I do that? 
you know, and then having, you know, and this was a progression, you know, over several months of time, like kind of these little, um, you know, light bulbs going off in my head, like, hmm, maybe I could do this, maybe I could do that. And I, I just kind of started myself on this little, you know, this process of evaluating ideas. And, you know, I bought a course at the time that I was using to help me kind of evaluate. It was one of uh, Ramit Sethi's courses at the time. Oh, yeah. Um, you know, to kind of evaluate ideas. And, you know, eventually it just sort of dawned on me. I, I was driving, actually. It was my commute one day. I was thinking to myself, like, I have done all of this social media updating and um, WordPress, like, blog updating all these things for organizations here in town on a, they're nonprofits and it was on a volunteer basis. Like I had done all this stuff um, for two organizations here in town that work with homeless teens and I, but it was just volunteer and it wasn't anything major, but it did expose me to this new skill set that I didn't get in my, my day job. Like I, okay, so I have this skill and I have this interest because I found it to be really fun. I really kind of enjoyed uh, learning about social media and, playing around with WordPress was fun. So I was like, I wonder who could use that, you know, kind of a, you know, service. I wonder. So I started thinking and I had heard somebody mention um, virtual assistants out there. And I was like, oh, that's a thing. <laughs> like, you, can actually, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you can actually put your skills to work because it's all online. Why not? It's virtual. You can help people out who live across the world from you. Like, oh my God, how cool. And I was listening to more and more of these podcasts and I was like, I wonder if any of these hosts could use help. <laughs> and that's really how it happened. And it just hit me one day in the car. So from there, um, there were a couple of shows that I was following a little more closely. And I, you know, when you're on somebody's list for a while and they email you and they say, tell me what you're struggling with, just hit reply. And, you know, I read all my emails. Like that's kind of, you know, most folks have done that at some point. You know, I think if you have an email list, you probably have done that. But, um, you know, I actually replied. I said, hey, this is what I'm working on right now. And, you know, so I had built a little rapport with uh, three of the podcast hosts of the shows that I was following. Um, and so at that time, I was like, well, and here I was doing a little target market research and not even realizing it. So I was like, this is the service that I'm thinking of providing. This is the skill set. These are the skill sets I have. What would you um, be looking for in a virtual assistant? What are the types of things you hire out for? Um, have you worked with a virtual assistant? What did you like about that? What did you not like about that? I sent them just a handful of questions, not even as many as that, but just a handful. And I got some great responses back from all three of them. I got like, I got an ebook on all about how to, you know, like on just the virtual assistant, just everything about virtual assistants. It was amazing. I got a little bit of advice back and then I got um, basically one led to a phone call. It was like, well, actually I have some work that I need to hire for. <laughs> Would you yeah. be willing to hop on a call? And then that's how I landed my first client. Right. I mean, you, you mentioned things like um, having an interest in social media before then, you know, trying to th almost trying to figure it out after you had the interest. So if someone's listening that they might have, an interest in something that's different from their job do you have any suggestions for how to how to almost make it into a business so we're not we're not talking like okay how do i find out what we're interested in because that that kind of goes without saying that if you want to do something alongside it you need you need to have an interest in it i think right you know so if if you're not sure what you're interested in if 
if, if you're listening and you've got no idea what interests are, then it, it could just simply be a case of, of experimenting and, and finding out what you do actually enjoy and what you do, you do have an interest in, you know? But right. what, what happens after that? So after they've gone through this whole discovery process, how, 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 how would they or how would you actually go about making sure that you could turn it into a business to begin with? Yeah, I think it really just comes down to being honest about what your skill level is, you know, not trying to take on something that's, you know, out of the realm of possibility for you, but I think also not selling yourself short. And then it's finding the right types of clients to start working with, like maybe it's somebody else who's also relatively early in their earlier in their business journey, but not um, so early that they don't have um, income to pay you with. But, you know, somebody who's willing to take you on as sort of a, um, you know, somebody who could learn on the job if that's okay. And that was okay in this case because I found um, a particular podcast host who was like at the stage where he was getting ready to leave his full-time job and make his um, coaching and everything a full-time thing, but he was still working full-time and he was getting busier. Um, you know, and the podcast was starting to pick up and his coaching business was starting to pick up and he really needed help. So he was at that stage, but yet he had never hired anybody. Um, and he was still kind of, I was his first ever outside higher. So he was very open and very much like, let's work through this. Let's build this together. Um, we're going to create, you know, standard operating procedures so that someday I know you're not going to be with me forever, but someday we'll have all this stuff documented so that we can, you know, kind of build this out and, and anybody else can kind of pick up the ball and run with it. So I think it's just finding somebody who is willing to let you kind of jump in and kind of get your hands dirty. Um, but also knowing that you're able to get some kind of a result knowing that you have some basic proficiency and, and just kind of matching that up. That's really what it comes down to. Um, and I don't always recommend that people start out necessarily working for free. Sometimes it makes sense to do that if you, if you can afford to do it, but I always say, keep that really, you know, limited, um, you know, get in there, get your first client, work for them for, you know, however long it takes to get a, a tangible result, a visible result, something you can turn into a nice testimonial or a case study, you know, and then move to paid as quickly as you can. Um, or, you know, the better thing is really just to charge, you know, a much reduced fee and say, hey, I'm just getting started with this and I would love to work with you and this is what I can do for you and, you know, work it out and don't be shy about it. All right, for sure. So it it comes across then like it's almost like you've got to be quite honest with, with how good you are or whatever it is that you're interested in before you then decide on turning it into a business. So what, what would you say to someone then that might not that feel that they're at that level yet you know I mean, is, it, is it just a case of of getting better i mean is is the side hustle only for certain types of people you know just trying to trying to have some kind of idea on on who can actually do this yeah and that's a great question i think finding something that you love and that you really geek out on is key because you know you always no matter what it is you always want to be learning even if you are very proficient at something um you know, things change. There's new information all the time, especially if you're doing anything, you know, computer related or anything in the online space, things change so quickly that you really need to stay on top of it. So um, I think it's not necessarily a disadvantage to come in with, you know, just a basic working knowledge and not much more than that. If you, if you like getting your hands dirty, if you like getting in there, learning, taking courses and things like that, and just fiddling around and figuring things out, I think that that's really what the key is here that you're constantly growing and constantly developing your skills. So no, you don't have to be, you know, the world's greatest expert at 
whatever it is you want to do, you just have to be able to, you know, provide a result for somebody, be able to, you know, get something done for them that they will be willing to pay for. All right. So what, what if someone was, let's just say they got their job, but it was at the, the other end of the education system. So someone it was probably in a similar situation to yourself, Tracy, where they did their degree and then they got their job like almost straight out of university, you know, yourself with the, with the, um, what was it? The biology. Yeah. So mm-hmm. at, at what point would they then go, well, it's, it's all I know. You know, if someone's just gone through school and high school and college or university or, or, or whatever happens to be, and at the end of that, the, they might have got a job, but then they're like, well, I'd like to do something extra. You know, they, they might enjoy the job, but they want to do something more, but it's all that they know. Have you got any advice for, for those people? Yeah, because I think very rarely, um, quote unquote, that's all you know. I think that you, a lot of people tend to overlook the things that, you know, we're best at because we just take those things for granted. Um, those are the things that are just like usually right under our noses. And it's kind of the, the last thing we think of when it comes to, you know, a possible side hustle idea. Um, so one thing that those folks can start with would be to start with the folks around them, the people around them in their lives that know them very well and know you know, also maybe um, uh, ex-coworkers or former, you know, bosses, anybody they feel comfortable speaking to, but, you know, just go and try to find out what those people think that their strengths are. So go to them with a couple questions and say, you know, what would you say are my greatest strengths? What would you trust me completely to do for you? You know, and basically let them give you, reflect back and, and give you some information. And those usually those reflections will have some kind of um, clues as to what, you know, your, your deepest strengths are and the things that you can really take and run with. Um, but you got to be careful too, because it's really, you know, the, sometimes the things that we're good at and people see that we're very good at may not be things we enjoy doing. So that's another word of caution um, is really just to spend the time and really think about it. Try to picture yourself, you know, putting 10 to 15 hours a week into, you know, something. And how does it make you feel? Take a temperature check. Is it something that's exciting or do you feel kind of a sense of dread? Um, It's interesting. I had a client um, recently who we were working together for a little while and he was so set on, I want to be a podcast editor. He wants, because he had his own show for five years and he's like, this is what I want to do for side money. I just want to edit other people's shows. So, you know, we got him to the place where he landed his first client and he just was filled with dread. He was like, oh my gosh. And oh no, and put the brakes on and you know, he just realized I don't want to do this. So, you know, sometimes it's obvious. Sometimes it's like, you know, you may be really great at something, but it might not be the best fit because um, Mike, you alluded to this earlier, but if you're going to take on a side business, it's something extra. It's something additional to what you're already doing 40 hours a week. You know, it's going to take you away from, you know, family and friends and fun and, you know, just laying around on the couch. It's going to take your time and your energy. So you want to enjoy it. <laughs> it, has to, yeah. it has to be fun. Is there an element of, of trying it first that, that you've noticed with the people that maybe you've helped that you might think, right, well, I quite like to do X, Y, and Z, but they're so focused on it. I mean, you mentioned your client there. He actually had to go out and try it before he realized that, well, maybe maybe he liked doing it because he wasn't doing it as much as, a fi- you know, extra 15 hours a week or 20 hours a week or whatever the case is. So sometimes... Sometimes is it a case where they actually have to try it to see if they can make it feasible? Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, like for me, for instance, too, with the, the VA work, I did that for about two years. But, you know, toward the tail end of that, I was getting increasingly um, 
anxious because I, you know, I just realized that I was kind of bored with what I was doing. I was kind of over it. I wanted a new challenge and I wanted to kind of, you know, move, move on. But at first it was pretty exciting and it was pretty fun. But what I always tell people as well is that once you start taking those steps, the next thing kind of reveals itself, but you, you have to be on the path. You have to be taking action and, you know, meeting new people and trying different things, exposing yourself to different things in order for those things to be revealed. So this client that I mentioned just a moment ago, um, he has pivoted into voice work and that is the thing that lights him up. That's what drives him now. And guess what? He's already got his built-in podcaster community. <laughs> so he's got plenty of leads there and a lot of people to kind of network with. So it wasn't a crazy switch, but it was something that didn't occur to him until later in the journey. Yeah. All right. Cool. Are there any, are there any things, things that you could maybe point to that would make something viable and then something not viable as a side hustle that you would do alongside your job. So we're sort of, we're trying to go down the route here of maybe do's and don'ts. So are there any things that you would say, okay, once you've got these things checked off, that's the thing that you will go ahead and do. And are there any things that you would say, if you've got any of these and you probably shouldn't go and do that thing? Yeah, I would say, you know, on a very, just, and we're very, very, much generalizing here, of course, um, mm -hmm. but at least as far as service-based businesses go, you know, if you do have a basic level of proficiency and a, you know, an enjoyment of a particular thing, a particular activity, whether it's making websites for somebody or, you know, copywriting or something like that, then yes, um, get started. Go ahead and see who you can help, you know, look within your network, see if, you know, you have a friend or a friend of a friend um, or somebody in your family knows somebody who you might be able to get, you know, a little bit of experience with. So get out there and try it. Um, I would say in the don'ts category, uh, don't start a side business without telling people <laughs> who have a stake in your time first. Don't, don't go and start the side business and start working, um, you know, on weekends in the morning and trying to like, you know, just fit it in here and there. You have to actually. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Yeah, I, I say that it's funny because this is what I did and I got in a lot of trouble. <laughs> <laughs> All of a sudden, you know, on Sunday mornings, my girlfriend is like, well, aren't we supposed to be going to the gym? Aren't we supposed to be going out here? And I'm like, oh, I'm working on this thing. I'm doing this thing. And she's like, what are you doing? I'm like, okay, all right, this is what I'm doing. But, you know, it caused a lot of strife. So make sure you mm -hmm. have conversations up front. If this is what you want to do, talk to your partner, talk to, if you have kids, let them know, you know, I'm going to need this many hours and have this be an ongoing conversation because this isn't always going to be the same. You know, maybe when you're just getting started, you only need five hours a week, 10 hours, but then maybe as it grows, it might be 15 and let people know which days and what times and have the discussion. Make sure that you have your workspace. Um, you know, whether it's for me, it's really just our kitchen table, but some people may have a little office or something like that. And just set those parameters up front and make sure everybody's involved in the discussion and that there's no, um, you know, expectations out there that, you know, where people can get hurt. And so that, that's really kind of the best thing you can do to, if you want to have a sustainable side hustle is just make sure that you've got the folks in your family and in your immediate network that they're on board. Yeah. Yeah, that, that, that's something that I think I would definitely echo as well. I mean, it's the amount of times that a lot of people have, have had frictions around pretty much anything, really, is because they've not actually had any conversations about things up front, and it actually makes things makes things harder because it's almost like you, you drop the bomb on that person, you know, and, they, and they, they're not really sure how to adapt. They're not sure what to do because you haven't, you haven't mentioned anything beforehand. So, yeah, I definitely, definitely agree with that. Um, 
are there many other other things? So we're getting quite close to the end, Tracy. So we've we've done quite well. Um, are there any parting bits of guidance that you that you want to get across? So this is with, with the intention of not wanting any stone unturned. Is kind of the yeah. the angle I'd like to take. Are there, are there any other parting bits of guidance or advice that you'd give to someone? Yeah, so we already mentioned um, about taking action and how that's really the best way to get started is just to get started. And I know that's overdone. It's really overused, but it's just true. You know, if you're curious about it, if it's something you want to see, you know, if something's for you, the only way you're really going to know for sure is to get out there and do it. So go and see who you can help. Um, But the other thing is really just to seek out support as soon as you can. Um, You know, getting your family and friends on board is important, but you really want to surround yourself with people who get it, who really understand what you're trying to do. Because we're not like everybody else. We don't come home, you know, after work and sit on the couch. You know, we, or, you know, we get up early in the morning and if other folks don't really understand what we're doing, they think we're crazy, <laughs> you know? So make sure that you, you've got that support network. Make sure that you, you know, you have, you know, other side hustlers or other people that just kind of understand what you're trying to do. And, you know, utilize that. And that's probably the biggest thing. Mm, that yeah. I'd like to leave folks with. All right, cool. So, I mean, this is this has kind of gone down the avenue of people that, that want to get started and want to to try to at least make something sustainable. But a lot of a lot of people might already have something going for them. They might already have something on the side, something that they're already doing alongside their job. I mean, we mentioned having conversations like beforehand to make things easier. Uh, but I get I get a sneaking suspicion that someone might already have that in place. So if someone already has that, um, what what else could they, they do to make things easier for them in terms of once you have the the side hustle started and it's it's up and running somewhat you know they're able to do it alongside their their job what advice would you give to those people that maybe want they might want to, to maybe reduce their hours in their job or maybe they they want to to be a bit more efficient or effective in in their side hustle yeah um well actually i use a time blocking approach so um it's kind of a modified time blocking approach and i also um bring in elements of batching and theming. So those are concepts I got from Mike Vardy of Productivityist. But um, so it's really this like system that I use with my clients and with the folks in my Facebook group as well. Um, But it's really just this holistic way of looking at your time as one big, you know, it's finite. So, you know, you look at your your entire week, you know, at a glance and you look at how you're spending your time and where are you putting, you know, because basically where you're spending your time is where you're going to It's where your focus goes. It's what you're focusing on. So it's not just your side business. It's not just your day job. You have to have, you know, your family time represented in there, your gym time, you know, your, your meals and your sleep and anything else you need in order to keep you, um, you know, happy and healthy. That's really, really, really important. Um, The other value in tracking your time or not tracking. Well, tracking time is part of the first part of the exercise, but once you've gotten that, then you build out your um, what I call a, sort of an ideal week or a template week. And that's where, you know, you kind of block everything in, but where it really becomes valuable is, you know, especially as side hustlers where, you know, time is tight anyway. So if somebody approaches us with a new opportunity or something changes and we want to consider taking something new on, um, you know, my tendency is to say, yeah, I'll do it. Of course. Um, But what's helpful is to be able to look at this, you know, you've got your entire week kind of blocked out 
you can look and see where the time is going to come from. So you're not constantly piling and piling and piling. You're moving things and taking and adjusting so that you don't end up, you know, driving yourself into the ground because really, you know, why are we side hustling in the first place? It's really because we're moving towards, you know, what we feel is the better life for us and our family. So why would we want to drive ourselves into the ground? So it's all about balance. Right. And what, what would, what would, the the moment be maybe if if someone because when when we go from the side hustle to to this is now just the business so we're kind of maybe projecting forward to touch to someone that might have a side hustle but they're like okay well and kind of a tipping point whereby the side hustle is getting to a point where he might even replace the job so i mean this this could be something that you're experiencing yourself tracy so what what sort of telltale signs would you predict in terms of, okay, maybe it's time to go full time with this? Oh, wow. And, you know, I never really, I, I underestimated the impact of this. I'll say that. So I did the VA thing for two years and now I've been coaching for almost two years and I never really thought it was going to have, and this is going to sound a little cheesy, so <laughs> bear with me. But you it's know right. what? Like when I have to close my laptop now and I have to get, you know, ready to go up to my day job, like it actually kind of hurts a little bit. It hurts my heart a little bit. And I know that sounds mm. cheesy, but it's the, it's that pull. It's that feeling like, well, I'd rather be here. I'd rather be doing this. I'd rather be coaching. I think I didn't really anticipate that. And so for me now, it's given me a lot to think about. Um, yeah. I do really love my day job. So that's why it's difficult. A lot of people are not in that position, but I do enjoy what I do at work. Um, so I think that that's definitely a telltale sign that maybe, you know, plans need to be made. Um, and obviously a lot of that is financial. So you need to have a number in mind, like what is that monthly um, income from the side hustle that you need to achieve in order to even consider it. And then you probably would like to have, should have a runway, a financial runway to allow you, you know, six months to a year to fully move in to the business, you know, and, and keep things running and make sure that, you know, you've got that in the bank. So that's what I would suggest for folks. But as far as the signs that you might want to consider it, it's really just how do you feel about it? You know, like, would you rather, do you find yourself like I do, um, you know, walking to the bathroom <laughs> and checking <laughs> my messages and texting my clients, you know, and just being like, you, know, you just, it is a poll. So, yeah. Hope I answered your question. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, no. It's just, it's just the, you know, someone might be at, be at that point, you know, where the th things are going that well and they've, got to a point where they're thinking okay how do I make the decision to to just do that you know and the the pull is something that I myself experienced as well so I've been at a point where it's like right well I enjoy I enjoy having the business I enjoy you know it's almost like you get to a point where you enjoy chill time and family time more than the job you know it's more it's more positive in terms of like how you feel about it and as yeah. you say you know you start to you start to dread doing the job no matter how much you enjoy it because you've got things that are, you know, that they're, they're just, they're just more fulfilling than the job. Even if the job is very good, you know, there's always the potential for something to, to top it, you know, to, to be more yep. than the job. All right. Yep. So we, we are getting close to the end now, Tracy. So just before we, we finish, um, how would you like people to connect with you? How, how would you like people to Maybe you mentioned your Facebook group and things. So this is your chance to, to share links and to share places to go if they wanted to, to find out more. Yeah, absolutely. So for the folks that are, are, that are on Facebook, I know not everybody loves Facebook, but um, I am there all the time. So 
including on my walks to the bathroom in the break room. So <laughs> I will be there later today. Um, I have a group for side hustlers who are looking to take their hustle from basically the sideline to prime time. So these are folks that are really working hard to replace their full-time income. We're called a uh, side hustle success lab. And you can go, if you want to go directly to side hustle success lab.com, it'll just shoot you right over to Facebook. Um, and then for the folks that are not on Facebook, or if you just want to stop by and see me at my website, it's just tracyminutolo.com, T-R-A-C-E-Y-M-I-N-U-T-O-L-O.com. And while you're there, you can grab, um, I actually, the time blocking um, method that I mentioned earlier, I actually have a, a workbook and a brief like recorded workshop on there that you can grab for free. So it's called Master Your Schedule and you can grab that right on my website. You can also get it inside the Facebook group in the pin post. All right, excellent. Thanks for sharing that, Tracy. I will put um, links in the description. So if anyone's listening, just click the description of the episode and you can get those, those lovely things that Tracy mentioned. So just before we, we shoot, we've got one last question. And it is, what would you like the world to know about you that it doesn't already know? Oh, my gosh. Um, <laughs> <laughs> put me on the spot. Um, oh. If, if you are struggling, uh, we, we, have had, we have had some funny things as well. So someone recommended that people send them chocolate cake. We've had people say that they, they like, um, I think a more recent one was peanut butter, Tracy. So we have had some, <laughs> we have had some let's put it this way, we've had some ingredients to success, to say the least. So, so yeah, right, well, there's, 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 no, there's no certain criteria for this one. I've got one. I've got one. I've always wanted to learn how to DJ. Really. Uh, I want to have like the headset and just be, you know, with the turntables. So that's something I'm, it's going to be on the bucket list because I really want to learn how to DJ. Oh, definitely. This could be your year, Tracy, that you I go know. ahead and do it. Imagine. <laughs> yep. Imagine. All right. Well, thanks for being our guest on the show, Tracy. Really appreciate you carving out the time and I'm, I'm sure we'll speak again soon. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it.